You are now listening to Testimonies with Terry. Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome to Testimonies with Terry. I'm your host, Terry Skaggs, and you can follow me on social media at TWTerryPod. And guys, make sure to check out the new YouTube channel as well, also at TWTerryPod. So today's episode is really cool for me because I got to interview a member from my favorite band. She and her sisters formed the beauty core band GFM, which stands for Gold, Frankincense, and Myrrh. What's beauty core, you may ask? It's hard rock and metalcore put together and played exclusively by women. And these girls are headbanging, screaming, and throwing out cupcakes to their passionate fans as they continue to build their platform one concert at a time. Today, we're going to hear from the vocalist and bass player who has clung on to her faith as she's faced adversity throughout her life. From the struggles of being an introvert in school, to battling through an eating disorder and depression, to facing persecution both within and outside the church because of her unique look on stage. Through it all, this woman roars with the power and authority of the Holy Spirit within her as she seeks to show Jesus to those who are feeling lost and hopeless. She's dug a graveyard for her past identities, said R.I.P. to them all, and now has a reframed perception. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Maggie English's Testimony. All right, guys, I am here with the bass player and vocalist of GFM, Maggie English. Maggie, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited. So I'm a new fan of GFM. I just heard about you guys in the last couple of months. I was listening to Chaotic Resemblance on my Apple Music, and they like offer suggestions on, well, if you listen to this band, you'd like this band. And Gold, Frankincense, and Myrrh popped up. I'm just like, I never heard of them. So check it out. And I always listen to like the first album of a band I'm checking out. So I listened to the Death of Giants EP and that first song. (laughs) You say, oh no, but I was immediately hooked. I'm just like, this is awesome. I want to hear more of this stuff. And so I listened to all of your guys' catalog and just been a huge fan since. You can ask my wife, literally listening to nothing but GFM uh, since probably May or June. So uh, this is really exciting for me to get the chance to talk to you and to hear more of your story. Yeah, well, thank you for listening to that. I know every time anybody was like, "Oh yeah, we listened to your first album," I'm just like, "Oh, why?" <laughs> <laughs> so what? What? Let's go into that a little bit. Then, what are your thoughts when you listen back to Death of Giants EP? What thoughts kind of come through your mind? Um, it's just definitely there's a lot of funny memories tied to it because especially since we were so young and we really had no idea what we were doing at that time and it's just funny to me like oh my goodness like we were children just trying to be rock stars and so like we had no idea what we were even trying to do and like out of this image of what we thought like it was supposed to be we were like we thought it was totally so cool and we we're like this, we're like a famous band and all this stuff and it's like our mom and dad listened to our songs. That's all we got. 
Oh, man. But then you guys went into uh, the Identity Crisis album and you took some of those songs and kind of uh, spruced them up a little bit, huh? Yes, it was definitely something because we were like, we want to have a full length album and we've never done that before. And we were like short on songs and we're running out of time. And so when we were working on it, Jake Jones and Justin Forshaw, they were in a band called We As Human. They were the ones who were helping us like get everything figured out. And they're like, well, why don't we just take some of your older songs? What We As Human did one time is we, we remastered them from an EP and like brought them onto an album. And we're like, okay, we can do that. And so we picked just some of our favorites from uh, just that EP and everything and which made them a little more modern. <laughs> um, they're definitely they still feel a little dated now compared to like our newer stuff, but brought them into, I guess, 2016 era GFM. <laughs> well, hey, I may be biased, but I think they still hold up. I still rock out to uh, Identity Crisis. And man, it's uh, it's just been cool to see the progression of your guys' music. You know, each album, you guys change a little bit or add a little bit to the sound and to the style. And the latest uh, EP, Framing My Perception, came out in May. Yeah. And so that's that's the newest album. Go check it out. It's It's everywhere, right? Apple Music, Spotify, wherever you mm-hmm. listen to music, it's there anywhere yeah so go and check it out i promise you'll be blessed for it but maggie we're gonna dive into your story here uh i saw the little instagram video that you had made uh, a while back about uh some of your testimony and i could really connect with it resonate with it and uh, we'll get into that later but before we get into your story i'm really curious so anyone that follows the band knows that your parents play a huge role in the band as well. You know, your mom drives you everywhere and dad is with you guys uh, loading and uh, unloading and everything. So I'm curious, how did your mom and dad meet? Um, So they actually met at their workplace and uh, both of them were coming from broken marriages before that. And so they were just done with people <laughs> and done with the world. And we're just trying to focus on their jobs. And they worked, they both worked at high risk insurance. And so super stressful jobs. And they were just working in the same areas multiple times because my mom worked with like big 18 wheelers and getting insurance for like drivers. And my dad worked with all the people that like was giving all the stuff for the 18 wheelers to drive. So he worked for the companies that were like the supplies and stuff. And so they ended up just being together so much and they would go on all these company trips with all their other clients and stuff. And so he invited her to like, just a regular baseball game. And she's like, Oh, okay. This is like a company trip and everything. And then she was the only one that showed up and he, she was like, where did everyone, where's everyone else? And he's like, this is a date. <laughs> it's not a company trip. And she was like, Oh, <laughs> so it was very much like, I don't know. It, it, it was kind of a forced proximity thing. And they kind of had to become friends first and learn how to work with each other. And so I, I think that's definitely helped out with you know, running a band together too because they already know how to work in high stress environments and i think that was even god working all those years ago knowing that gfm was somewhere in the future for sure man it's so cool how god just works in people's lives like that right you know they come from broken marriages probably not at all wanting to even think about getting into another relationship let alone another marriage and god brings them together and However, many years later, they they uh, they have you, and so we'll get into <laughs> to your story here, Maggie. Um, so you guys are in Jacksonville, right? Yeah. And have you been in Jacksonville your whole life? For the most part, yeah. I think we moved here when I was like one or two, so pretty much all my life. <laughs> yep, it's all you know, all you know. So Maggie, 
what was childhood like? I know that's kind of a, a big and broad question, but you're the middle sister out of uh, out of your sisters, the band. So it's CJ, you and and Lou. So what was it like, you know, as a childhood, especially being the the middle child? Um, we definitely had a super easy childhood, and you know, it's something that neither of our parents really had, and so it was one of their main goals to just give us a great childhood and we they were super loving and we're honestly super blessed to have them and not even just because of like the support they've given GFM but just the parents that they were and um you know be uh, there's always like the stigma of like the middle child it's like oh I don't get any attention itself but I was I've always just been an introvert I take after my dad and so like we don't really talk a lot and we need to go be by ourselves anyway to kind of recharge and stuff and so it was never like, oh, like I'm unseen. It's like, okay, I'm going to go to my room. I'll see you guys later. <laughs> like, I'm going to go hang out. Um, but it, it was definitely just always a very big family thing. And I think everybody was very supportive and knew like, okay, people need their alone time. They need to go here. But let's also have this time as a family. We did family devotions. And our dad always like, praises that he raised us as boys because we play video games with him and we ride four wheelers and do all the like skiing and like tubing and stuff like that we're not afraid to like get out there and like play hard and stuff and I think that definitely helped us too and we just were a very close family because of that and you know we were a little secluded from our friends and um just anybody outside of the family because our parents were uncomfortable with us going to other people's houses and just from the danger that they experienced in their childhood, they just didn't trust us, like sending us off to some random person's house. And so I think that also forced us to, you know, become such a tight knit community within like just me and my sisters and our parents. And then my older brother, when he used to live with us, because that's all we knew. And um, like, we didn't understand what other like being a normal kid is like, because we didn't go to like the birthday parties and we didn't have cell phones and we didn't do all that. So it was never weird to us because we didn't like, we didn't know any different, you know? Yeah. And that totally makes sense that your parents um, did things that way, right? If, if they had some bad experiences in their childhood, obviously being uh, good parents, they don't want you guys to go through that. So to uh, kind of limit some of those outside sources that could be dangerous makes complete sense. You said that you didn't really know anything different. Um, how about when it comes to school? I, I think I heard you uh, in a past interview, say that you did public school for a little bit before going private school or homeschool. Yeah, so we definitely we jumped around for like the like little kindergarten schools and stuff like that for because a, a couple different churches that we were going to, we would move and then they would transition into a different church, and so that stuff kind of like went to a couple different places. But then we all three of us went to um, Trinity Christian Academy, which is like a private Christian school, and we did that for. I think I went until ninth grade. I went all the way up to ninth grade. Um, and then we started doing homeschool. And so, you know, I, I loved like the learning aspect of school, but being in school was super difficult for me because I had a hard time making friends. And like my dad would like coach me through like scripts and be like, okay, when you want to talk to somebody, you go up to them and say like, hi, my name is Maggie. And like, I want to be your friend. And, and like, and I would have to like drill that because I just wouldn't talk to people. And the teachers would be like, 
is your kid okay? Like she doesn't talk. <laughs> and, and like, then I would finally find one person to be my friend and then like they'd end up leaving. And so then I was just like crushed for an entire year. And then I'd finally find another friend and we're like, okay, it's all good now. Like I, I, I can talk to people again. I got a friend and then they'd end up leaving. And so it ended up being like that consecutive, like year on, year off, year on, year off thing the entire time I was in school. And so it was, it was just difficult for me to really get close to people um, those last couple of years, especially once we started doing the band, because I got so focused on doing the music. And I was like, I finally found something that I was passionate about. And you know, I wanted to really pursue that. And it was something that was kind of like weird, uh, even like with our youth group and stuff, you know, we were kind of looked down on for doing that. And for you know, thinking that we could like chase after fame and like thinking that we were doing it for the wrong reasons. And so I, I definitely just felt like it was like a weird thing. And I was like, okay, like I'll just stay in my own lane. And uh, so it was just kind of difficult to stay close to those people, especially it was like, my goal was to get out and, you know, to finally like figure out how to start touring and doing school that way. And so I think that kind of made it weird the last few years. And I just, the people that I was kind of friends with kind of pulled away a little bit and, you know, it wasn't difficult for me to leave school, but it was hard for CJ and Lou because they are very social people and you know, they were very talkative and they were the social butterflies. And um, so I think it was definitely harder for them uh, just because they did, you know, have the people. And whenever I talked about it, I was like, oh, well, it wasn't hard for me. I just pulled away from the people that I talked to. And they're like, that's kind of messed up. <laughs> and I was like, I mean, I don't know. And people thought it was kind of weird that we were doing the music thing. So I didn't feel like there was a need to really dive into those relationships anyway. And so once that like ninth grade year kind of finished, we started doing homeschool stuff. And um, it was way easier for me. I loved it so much because I didn't have to talk to anybody. I did not have my time wasted because, you know, people were joking around and the teacher was trying to quiet them and stuff. Like I could do class for three hours and then be done with all of my classes for that day and then get on with my life and like work on music or work on whatever else, you know, as the band started progressing, I started being a lot more involved with more of like the management stuff with my mom. And we ended up actually like working together with a lot of stuff. And so I think it helped me a lot in that area because I felt like so much time was wasted. And um, even just, you know, I wasn't wasting time trying to focus on, okay, I have to be this Maggie for school because people will think this Maggie is weird. And, um, you know, I was able to really figure out who I was as an individual. And, you know, I think that helped with, you know, forming that persona of, okay, this is Maggie GFM now. And it's just an exemplified or uh, an amplified version of myself now. And, you know, I, I'm able to be genuine with people. Whereas I think if I would have still been in school, like with actual, like an actual brick and mortar school that whole time, it would have been very easy to just put on a fake persona and be like, okay, well, this is my fake personality for the band. And, um, and I, th I think it would be difficult for people to trust something like that. And so I think, you know, learning how to be by myself and learning, okay, it's, it's okay to be lonely and figure things out by myself and now that I know who I really am I can you know feed into these people's lives and really you know, talk with people and it's helped like garner such great relationships from that because I'm not having to put up a mask and then tear it down and be like okay this is who I really am now you need to learn about me really really fast even though you thought you knew who I was and so I think it's helped with that a lot <laughs> Yeah. As you're talking, I just kind of get this picture of like when you were able to go to homeschool, there was just kind of this big, <sighs> okay, I can breathe now. Like there was probably like a big sense of relief, it sounds like. Yeah. And it was definitely just, especially with like working on school and everything, like I'm 21 now and I'm, I think halfway done with my master's program already. 
And so I was able to work super far ahead and work really fast. And I didn't even do like summer classes or anything. I just did it as like the normal fall and spring terms and stuff. And um, I think it just definitely shows, you know, you don't have to go to this brick and mortar school, like the cookie cutter way of doing school, which was all we knew really growing up. And our parents were really worried about doing homeschool and stuff. Cause my mom had never done that. She didn't know about school on computers and stuff. And she was like, I mean, all we hear about, you know, you hear the, the slander about online college and stuff and how like, it's, not as good as real college. And so we, we really had to kind of take a leap of faith and trust that, you know, this was an actual education and that we weren't just like doing some scam and stuff. And um, I think it really like paid off though, because I think Lou is starting college as well now too. Sita finished her college degree last year when I finished mine. And, um, you know, and we were able to do that on the road as well. We were touring at the same time. And so not a lot of people can say that they were able to do that. Right. And and I think that goes to show, you know, for you, Maggie, the, the discipline that you have to do that, right? Because I know um, just working as a therapist, you know, through the pandemic, a lot of kids had to go to the distance learning and do school from home. And it was a disaster for a lot of kids and, and a yeah. lot of families because they were just so like unprepared and unequipped to do that. Um, and so for you to kind of thrive in that mode of education. I think that goes to show just the discipline that you have and just those, uh, how, you know, how studious you are in order to stay on top of things and work ahead and get things done. Yeah. And I think it was just, it definitely, there was a learning curve at first and it was weird at first having to, okay, we got to wake up and you know, you're not going to actual school. You're turning on your computer and we, we, you can't watch YouTube yet. Cause you got to finish your school first. <laughs> and I, I think definitely at first it was there was a weird learning curve that came with it. But um, once we got it under our belt, you know, it was super, super easy. And so I think that was also kind of a blessing in disguise because when COVID hit, like it was, we were already doing that. Like it was, we didn't have to change anything about what we were doing. And we just finished our college degree, like in the middle of the pandemic and stuff. Like it wasn't anything new to us. Yeah. And where did you do your college at? So we did Liberty University's online program because they have, a high school program too. And so by doing the online high school program, we were able to get transferred into their college program. And they do like a, they help you with tuition costs because, you know, they give you like a credit because you went to their online academy and, and continued on into their college. And um, it's actually, it's, it's super easy to use. And it's just like doing like, if you remember like Quizlet and stuff, like it's stuff like that, where like you can click on the answers and everything and all the tests and stuff are open book because instead of 16, 16 week courses, it's squished into eight weeks. And so that's why you can finish so fast because you're doing everything in double the time or you're doing double the work in half the time. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so, you know, that's why everything's open book and, you know, you're encouraged to like actually learn instead of, you know, we're just memorizing information on a test. Like you're actually learning because you're, you're rereading stuff you know the the answers in this chapter, but let's reread through the section so we can find the answer. And you're like, oh my goodness, I didn't even get that the first time through reading that. And now I understand that's not even what the question was about, but now I, I understand that even better now. So I think it's helped us actually retain information a lot better. Yeah, like you said, actually helps you learn the material and and re like you said, retain it instead of just, I learned it for a test and then it just goes out the window. Yeah, and I, I think that's unfortunately what a lot of the modern school system can become because you know it's it's just rote learning we we 
we memorize flashcards, we memorize definitions. And it's like, okay, well, like, do you actually know what that in the context of what that actually means? And it's like, well, no, I just forgot it after the test. Like, I don't even know what that even means anymore. <laughs> and it's just like, oh, right? that's not great. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Don't even ask me, you know, I had to do Spanish for, well, I didn't have to do, but I, I did Spanish for two years in high school because that was kind of what was told to me that, well, if you want to get into college, you have to have two years of a foreign language. And so I did Spanish for two years and outside of, you know, the basic greetings and maybe the colors and some numbers, don't ask me about Spanish because that, <laughs> that all left uh, the memory bank a long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> so then what did you go uh, to college for? What did you major in Maggie? So I majored in um, psychology with a like a specifically on, in crisis counseling, and um, even with my master's program, that's what I, I went back for that specifically as well. And um, you know, I definitely wanted to do that because of the conversations we have at the merch table and the conversations we have online on social media, and we realized that people were giving us their trauma, and we didn't know what to do with it. And I was like. I need to figure out more than just like, oh, well, sorry that happened to you. Like I wanted to give them actual advice and point them in the direction of counselors and therapists and give them the option of like medication. Like, have you ever thought about medication and stuff like that? Because so many people now like are giving wrong information out, especially on the internet with everything that you can access anything on the internet. And there's so much false information there. And even in some churches, unfortunately, there's just false information about a lot of things that come with mental illness and trauma and medication. And so we, I wanted to be able to give biblical information. And I was like, yes, you know, we can, med- medications are biblical, just don't abuse them. And mental illness is a very real thing. Like if your body is sick, you take medicine if you need it. If your brain is sick, if you need medicine, you need to take it. Um, but there's also physical therapy. So why would you know, like mental therapy, not be a viable option. And, um, you know, there was just, we were hearing so many churches give, you know, demonic possession, the responsibility for mental illness, or like sin was a responsibility for this mental illness. And we wanted to speak out about that, because there were so many people our age who were hurting, and they just left the church because the church wasn't there for them. And we're just like, you know, shame on Christians for, you know, not being there, we're called to be, you know, the body of Christ. And if we're not reaching the generation that needs it, like your kids are the ones who are supposed to be witnessing to their kids. And how are they going to reach them if you never even like involved yourselves in their lives, you know? And so I think that really was definitely the driving point that pushed me to do that major because I was like, I need to know. I, I, I don't know what to tell people. And Liberty was able to have a biblical background to their crisis counseling and to their psychology and all of like the actual medical information matches up with the biblical information. So that's why I really enjoyed their program. Yeah. And I couldn't agree more with what you just said there, Maggie. You were just preaching straight fire there because the (laughs) the church has been very ill-equipped to deal with mental health. And uh, I'm actually sitting in my office right now as we do the interview. And the whole reason I'm here is because my pastor was doing counseling and he, and he just kind of came to me and he said, I'm not good at this. Like I'm not equipped to to do like this type of like in-depth counseling, you know, would you be willing to, to, uh, to come on board here? And so, 
um, yeah, it's a passion of mine to definitely help the church learn how to deal with mental health because, yeah, it's not all demonic possession. It's not all just a sin thing. There's a lot going on. And, um, you know, I think, you know, medications that could we could we could do a whole episode on that. Right. But like yeah. God created <laughs> science and 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 God gave these people the, the wisdom to create these medications to help our brain function the way that it should. And so. Yeah, Maggie, it, it's it's awesome that just to hear your heart with that, you know, obviously these people uh, are coming up to you at, at the merch table at shows and pouring out their heart to you. And, and that, I'm sure some heavy stuff, right? I yeah. mean, because one thing that I, I love about you and your family is just how real and personable you guys are. And I mean, I'm just kind of like meeting you for the first time now, but just watching your vlogs and stuff like that, like you girls are just real. I mean, you'll, you'll put your hair up in curlers and, you know, no makeup, acne patches, whatever. And I love it because it's just being real and it's such, setting such a good example, uh, specifically for, you know, young females that, that are watching. But I think for everybody to just be who God called you to be, man, we don't got to try to be um, impressing people or try to be a carbon copy of someone else. And so I just love the authentic authenticity and the realness that you guys have. What, um, with, with getting your master's degree, then what's kind of your goal with that? Maybe long-term, have you kind of thought about that at all? Um, so my dad is a very big proponent of having backup plans and that was his whole agreement with the band. If he was going to support it financially and just go on tour with us and help us just be a band. Um, he was like, just get your college degree. That's the only stipulation I have because, you know, music is such a finicky thing. Like, especially we saw with COVID when that hit, nobody knew what to do. And so many bands broke up and lost funding and just were not bands anymore. And he's like, if something like that were to happen that affected you guys in that way, at least you have your college degrees. Now you can go and get a, like a nine to five and you can get hired really easily because you have a college degree. And, um, and so that was his like, backup plan and so I was looking into it just finishing up the degree and everything I had to do an internship and so I was talking with a lady who was running um her own like biblical like therapist like setting type thing um and she was just explaining like you kind of have to get your master's if you want to do anything with you know psychology and therapy and she's like I mean you could be a school counselor with your uh, your bachelor's but you're not legally really allowed to say anything more than, well, we could switch your class around. And it's like, people need more than that, especially students and just with the workload. And now, cause I was working with her in the middle of COVID. And so we were experiencing like so many, like people just coming in and she was like totally booked out and couldn't take any more patients and stuff. And, um, and just all the inputs that I was doing for her and everything. And, you know, I was like, oh, well, like, there's a lot of people that need help. And if this is something that I want to do, like when I'm home from tour or anything like that, then I definitely need to at least get my master's. And I had joked about doing like a doctorate type thing. And people were calling me Dr. Scream and everything. And, <laughs> and uh, but I've been looking into that more recently as well. And there's just so many years that go into it, you have to do your side And then if you want to do like prescribed medication, some of that, you have to go back for your psychiatrist degree. And so I think right now I have a year left on my master's program. I could finish next year 
Um, and so I think right now that's a good stopping point and a good goal for me. Um, just so I can focus on music and then helping people that way. And I have all the information to give people. And then if I decide later in life, like once we're going to take a break on touring or just start to do more festival dates or something happens and we don't want to do GFM anymore, um, then I can go back to school if I, I really feel led to go back to school. And that way the information can be fresh and, you know, I'm not like doing my doctorate and then like 10 years later going to work in the field, not remembering anything that I even did. In So I, I think now it's, it's definitely just defining where I want to kind of take a break for at the moment. And I think finishing up my master's is definitely something I want to be able to do as soon as possible. Just so, you know, if something like COVID happened where you know touring's on a break, I can go and work for you know, somewhere like a therapist setting or like even online therapy and do something like that where, um, you know, like uh, Joseph Rojas from Seven Days Slumber has his Teen Hope line and stuff like that, you know, where people who can't afford to go to an actual setting can call and I could help in a, in a way like that, even if I'm on the road, like I could be part of a, some type of hotline and stuff. And so I think by doing that master's degree is just, I just wanted to be able to help more and I, I I realized that there was a handicap by not having that and so I think that's what drove me to at least do the master's degree right now yeah man I I love it Maggie I love your heart you, you can just tell that your heart is in the right place that you truly just want to help people and it's cool hearing you talk just s- some of the similarities I also did uh, Liberty University online and I got my master's from them uh, mine's in marriage and family therapy yours is in crisis uh, counseling but same field. And so it's kind of cool. We got that in common. And I have no doubt. I mean, God's already using you and your sisters in big ways to minister to people. But um, man, yeah, like you said, with that degree, that'll definitely open up more avenues. And yeah, you, you definitely do need your master's degree. I remember I graduated with my bachelor's degree uh, about three weeks before I got married. And my plan was I'm freshly graduated. I'll just go get a nice job and I'm going to support my family that way. And I was in for a rude awakening when I <laughs> found out that, yeah, you need that master's degree. So that's when I went back. But uh, just so cool to hear your hear your heart with that, Maggie. And like I said, God's going to continue to use you and your sisters and your family in mighty ways to minister to people and to bring just breakthrough and bring healing and bring freedom uh, for people. So then going back to the music aspect here, Maggie, let's talk about that. I've heard in interviews uh, that you've done before that your parents kind of pushed you guys into trying an instrument at a certain age. What what age was that? So usually it was it was five, like that was a fresh threshold. Um so me and CJ, we were so close in age. I probably started a little bit early because it was just easier to put us both in piano lessons. And um so five was about like when we started doing like piano lessons and stuff like that. And um Lou was already interested in drumming at like four and a half and so she was coming up on that five-year mark and I was like getting ready to enroll her in piano lessons and she was just having a fit and like I'm not gonna play piano I want to play drums like sign me up for these drums and it's like you're a four-year-old like what are you talking about (laughs) but you know she was adamant about doing that and so I think you know just being introduced to music at such a young age it's kind of all we've known and um it helped us, you know, so much with, you know, I can read sheet music and Lou can read her sheet music with drum stuff. Like I have no idea <laughs> like the kind of sheet music and theory that comes with that, but I could read piano sheet music and I can read tabs and, um, you know, we can like write tabs and stuff like that just because we've been doing it for so long. And so now 
you know, it's, it's helped us be able to kind of pick up other instruments. And we've, we've all experimented with, you know, lose, played guitar for a year. And she was like, okay, I'm, I'm kind of bored of doing that. I'm playing Jones for the rest of my life still. Like she was like, she was still doing Jones and stuff, but she's like taking a guitar class just to do it. And just cause she wanted to. And it's just like, who, who in their right mind is like playing all these instruments and just decides, okay, I'm just, I'm, I feel like I should try another instrument. So let me just try that for a while. And it's just like, I think it's just something that just comes naturally to us just because we did it when we were so little and our parents have always been like, okay, if you want to do something, just try it. Like, what's the point of not trying? Like, if you hate it, like the worst you can do is just not do it anymore. Like no one's going to hate you for not doing it anymore. And so I think that especially just how young we were and, you know, having to learn how to talk with a teacher and be in that room and having to have the discipline of learning, like doing your theory and coming back and showing that you did your, like your piano homework and, um, and then having to do like testing and stuff where, okay, let's like, play it and see if you can play it right. And it's just like, you know, that, that nerve, like the nervous energy that comes with that. And it's like, Oh my goodness, like my hands are sweaty. I don't know if I'll play this right. And it, it helped us really become, you know, performers in that way because you know, you had to kind of perform for your teacher and, you know, once we started all playing different instruments, um, me and CJ actually would do dual lessons. And so I was playing bass then finally, and CJ had been playing guitar for a while. And so instead of, you know, doing theory and stuff, we started doing writing together. And the guy that we were taking lessons from was teaching us how to write songs and we would do cover songs and he would give us like the sheet music and we'd have to learn the song by like reading the sheet music and stuff like that. And, you know, that transitioned into us trying to learn how to play our own riffs and he'd give us ideas and we'd have to build off of them. And, you know, that's something that we're actually finally really diving into now recently, especially and figuring out, okay, well, we did that all those years ago. And we, whenever we write with people, we're, we're very dependent on certain areas. Like we have to bring certain ideas, but they have to bring the other ideas. And now we're learning, okay, well, we've done this for so long. Let's just try to do something all on our own. Like, who says we have to have somebody else helping us do this? Like we can, we can do this on our own. We can figure it out. And um, I think that's just really helped us because now we're starting to really be more involved with the music stuff and um, just learning how, okay, well, I don't know how to program Jones, but let me watch this video and let me call this person who knows how to do it. And then I'll just try and figure it out and we'll just go from there. And if it sucks, it sucks. And then we'll just get rid of it. But at this one, like we can at least try and figure it out. And I, that's that mindset has really helped us in so many areas, just learning how to get out of our comfort zone and just figuring out how to do things and th that we probably shouldn't be figuring out how to do. And it's just like, okay, well, that needs to be done more professionally. And it's like, well, we could do it by ourselves and do it for free. So why wouldn't we? <laughs> right. Right. Makes sense to me. <laughs> and yeah, you know, that's another thing we got from our parents. We're, uh, we're very frugal. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I've been able to tell again, just watching some of the YouTube videos, just that DIY mentality that you guys have, right? Like, mm -hmm. I, again, it's not like you guys come from this long lineage of like famous musicians or like you had a foot in the door into the industry, right? Like you guys created a door and you smashed yeah. that door down and said, we're <laughs> going to do it our way. And, and just that hustle that it takes to get to where you guys are at. Cause I think a uh, recent video that I watched, you guys were like packing your own merch. So do you guys always pack and send out your own merch? 
Yeah. So especially with, um, you know, merch orders and online orders and stuff, I, our brother uh, just got married. And so he moved out of the house. And so now I have my own little like shipping office and we have all the like excess merch and it looks like a, like you walk into like a post office or something. And I have my little printer set up and we have little stations to all the excess high cheese and candy that people send us. We, we chuck a few of them in there just because we have so much. And it's like, I need to get rid of these before they go bad. And so we're like, okay, we'll just send them in merch orders. And like, we've got the little sticker station that we like throw the little extra freebies and stuff in. And you know, we always try and make sure we put a signed card in so people know that, yeah, this was hand packed and, this is all still very much in-house thing. We don't have a merch deal. We don't have a big company mailing out stuff. And so sometimes they get a little bit behind. And so (laughs) we appreciate what people are understanding. Um, But even when it comes to like wrapping them and the plastic wrapping and stuff, the t-shirt companies can't always do that. They don't always have time. And so we have to end up ordering them from Amazon and spending three nights wrapping t-shirts and folding them and getting them in there and labeling them and making sure the right size sticker is on there and everything. But it's, it's definitely has like a lot of funny memories that come with it. And I think, you know, having somebody else do that would have taken a lot of those just dumb moments out of our life. But those were very like crucial dumb moments that we needed that we'll continue to talk about for the rest of our life. Right. And I, I, speaking as a fan, I, you know, I ordered some merch from you guys and like, I really appreciate just that personal touch of, of knowing that, yeah, you guys did this, that there's not some big company that you guys are contracting out to do all this, but it's coming from you that we're supporting directly. You, uh, just makes me as a fan want to just buy more merch and, and support you guys even more. So, uh, I really appreciate, uh, the personal touch there. Going back uh, to the the music lessons, Maggie, at what point did you girls decide, hey, let's make a band out of this? Let's go for this. Um, I think it was definitely when we all were kind of playing our own instruments. And so I had stuck with piano for the longest time. And so I was the only one still playing piano. And Cedar had started playing guitar and Lou was playing drums. And it was actually my dad who was like, you guys realize, you know, you can make a band, you're all playing different instruments. Like, why have you not decided to play together? You're all just playing separately. And we're like, Oh, we never thought of that. Like, what do you mean? Like, I didn't know an eight year old supposed to think like that. But okay. (laughs) And so he was like, Well, if you're gonna make a band, like we need a bass player, like all the good rock bands have bass players. So Maggie, like, you just need to start playing bass. Like, you can play keyboard sometimes, but you like, we need a bass player. And so I started learning how to play bass. And I think I was eight when I started doing that so Sude must have been nine and Lou was probably like five and we just started playing cover songs and um that's around when we started kind of figuring out how to do you know songwriting and the the guy who was teaching us was starting to introduce that to us and but it definitely was just cover songs for a very long time and uh you know we were playing like skillet songs and even like some casting crowns and like some of the heavier like Jeremy Camp songs and our dad was a big Petra fan. So we played a lot of Petra songs because, you know, it was just kind of a family thing for a while. We just played in our living room and then we started playing more um, like talent shows and stuff like that. And then our dad was like, okay, let's just see if we can make this like a little family hobby thing. We'll play on the weekends and play real shows. Now that you guys are playing original stuff and writing your own stuff, we'll try and figure that out. And then it just kind of 
blossomed into a lot more than that. <laughs> for sure, for sure. Yeah, I mean, God's just blown this thing up in in amazing ways. We talked a little bit earlier about the Death of Giants EP and how you you look back at that, maybe a little cringy, but I gotta imagine at that time. Was that the first time you girls like went into like a professional studio and and recorded something? Yeah, it was definitely the our first experience with anything like that. And um, the guy that we actually recorded with was he used to be in a band with our guitar teacher, and uh, I think they're they're back together in that band. I think they re- restarted the band. I'm not really sure what happened. It's hard to keep up with so many people now just because there's yep. a lot of people that we know. Um, but they were originally in a band together that was kind of popular um, on like the local Jacksonville scene and they used to be played on the radio and stuff. And so we were like, oh my goodness, this guy was like, he was famous. Like what? we're in this famous dude's house and he had all these cats and I think we were more focused on the cats than actually recording and stuff. And, and we had like our homework that we had to bring. And so while somebody was recording, we had to be working on our homework and everything. And uh, it was definitely just, it was, it was very strange because we had never done anything like that before. And it's like, okay, well, we have to play this, but we have to make sure it's perfect. Okay. Well, okay. We'll play it the first time. And then he's like, okay, play it again. We're like, okay and then yeah you had to play it like 10 times and it's like oh my goodness I don't want to play this anymore like I'm a child let me I don't want to do this anymore and I think you know having to get that discipline and realizing okay just gotta play it again we gotta play it again gotta play it again you know it was definitely a weird thing at first and it was like okay I don't really want to do this anymore (laughs) but you know now it's, it's fun to go in the studio because you you realize what you're doing and and you're creating something and it's not just you know, a, a repetitive thing. And we're just playing this over and over and over again. It's we're building something and making sure that each part of it is how it needs to sound. And if that means doing 20 takes, we're going to do 20 takes. And um, now like vocal stuff is definitely one of my favorite things, just because there's so much exploration you can do, especially now that we have a lot more screaming and um, just a lot of different types of screaming. And uh, we've recently been really delving into like even melodies now and learning more of our voices because for a long time it was just okay well our band's thing is we sing but then we have like the scream stuff and it's like the shock factor and now we're like okay well we kind of have to hone the other side of it because you know you can't just live off of like the gimmick thing forever like you got to make sure every part of your band is 100% like out there and so we've been you know, really exploring more with our clean vocals and just learning, oh, wow, I didn't know I could sing like that. And so it's definitely been just a lot of fun doing that. And so now when we go into the studio, it's just, we're just having fun. And recently we've been able to go into the studio with some of our friends and we've made friends with these bands. And so it's just, we're just joking around the whole time. And, you know, when we were doing even like Operation Takeover and Oh, the Horror, we were working with um, Eric Barnell and we lovingly called him uncle eric every time we went into the studio and um you know we were able to work with big names like joey sturges and then we were able to work with people that you may have never heard of and and it's just you know just learning all about these different people and what makes them special because you know this big name guy who we were like oh my goodness we're in shock that we're working with him is sending us videos on snapchat of him playing a tambourine to our song at like 3 a.m and it's just like what? Like, this is not what we were expecting you to do. And so I think it's just really learning, you know, this isn't this big, like, thing to 
idolize people and put them on pedestal. These are, these are real people. And I think learning that now has helped us become so much more comfortable in the studio too. Just, you know, especially when we first started, it was really, really scary uh, to go in and have to sing. And even now <laughs> I can't like sing in front of people in the studio. I have to have like the curtains closed if there's a window or like I have to go, like some people will have closets and so I'll make sure the door is closed. Even if I'm like going to have a heat stroke in there, I'm not going to have somebody look at me while I sing. And we, we built a home studio. And so we had uh, Blaze Rojas from Seven Day Slumber, him and Weston Evans, where they helped us do Frame My Perception. And so they flew in and were recording the vocals for Frame My Perception. And I literally just, I sat there and they're like, why aren't you recording? I was like, you need to turn around. I can't do this with you guys looking at me. And so anytime they would look and like turn around, I'd just like, turn around, stop looking at me. I can't do this. And so even and stuff like that. And like, we had to build like a little like fort that I could sing under so they could still like check and be like, okay, well you need to do this. And then I would put the fort back over me so nobody could see me and just learning, learning small things like that, where it's like, yes, this is, you could easily do this in front of somebody, but to make it more comfortable, I'm, I can't have people look at me, uh, but you're still able to you know, have fun in that area. And so I think just learning little dumb things like that, where it's like, okay, well, that makes it special because, you know, there's, everybody has something like that. And, you know, I love figuring out what each person's thing is because it's just something odd about them. And I, I love figuring out what is odd about people. Right. Right. Well, and, you know, especially as a songwriter, as a musician, like you're creating art and that means that you got to be vulnerable. Right. And yeah. Hey, if, if it takes you having to have curtains closed or doors shut for you to really get into that vulnerable place, <laughs> then, then, then by all means do it. Right. Yeah. Especially with, you know, we really tried to, put our own like personal stories into the songs as well, because, you know, our music is to help people and it is to, you know, put out the very real difficulties that are in life, but also show that there is, you know, better things to come and they're overcoming is possible. And so when you sing about that, it's like, okay, these people know that I'm a happy person, but what I'm saying is not very happy right now. So I don't need you to look at me. I'm okay. I promise. Like, I'm not like, I'm not there anymore. <laughs> Yeah. And, and with that, I think that's a good transition, Maggie. Uh, like I mentioned earlier, I saw that Instagram video that you made and it really resonated with me because you were talking about a struggle that you had with an eating disorder. And I've been open about my struggle with anorexia throughout my life. And so I'd love to talk to you a little bit more about that. Kind of take us through almost kind of like the genesis of that, right? Like how did that form what was going on in life that kind of caused things to go a little haywire for you yeah um i recently when i interned with that lady at her um therapy office she really helped me understand you know kind of where that stemmed from because you know once i dealt with it and overcame it i still was like well i don't even know why that happened like it just kind of happened i don't know why um and i was like i have nothing to you know that would have caused me to do that. Like I have a blessed life. I have, you know, loving parents and all the stuff with GFM that's going on. Like I have a life that so many people are working towards. Like, why would, why would I feel like I needed to throw it away, um, you know, and throw my whole life away, you know? And um, I realized, you know, especially with having that difficulty connecting with people and pulling away from people. And once we finally did pull out of school, and, you know, start doing things on um, like online school and everything like that. While it was easier for me, like academically and stuff like that, 
there was just no control in my life. And, you know, band life is very like roller coaster. It's ups and downs and there's not really a way to control that. And you just kind of have to really rely on your listeners and stuff like and hope people will listen to your music if you're going to make money and if people are going to like you and you can get very wrapped up in I'm only as valuable as my next single. And um, I think for a long time, like I was so focused and worried about that. There was no control there. There was no control in you know the people that I was used to hang out with. And I didn't have any friends or any way to communicate with people. So there was no control about who was going to come into my life or not. And I think there was just, you know, that lack of, I don't know what's going to happen in the future. And I'm, I'm really excited and I would, I'm loving that I'm able to pursue music, but I just don't have any control about what's going on here. And so the one thing that I could control as, you know, a young teenager was what, how much I ate and you know, it was easy to you know restrict and well, okay, we have to look a certain way because we're performers on stage and you know, these people on social media are a certain size. And so I have to be that certain size if I want to, you know, start to really get popular on our like Instagram page and stuff like that. And so, you know, it's super easy. Well, if I'm already like eating this small amount, then I could easily lower that and like, oh, well, if I, I ate this and I wasn't supposed to eat this, so I'm just not going to eat for the rest of the day because that's going to balance it out. And, you know, it's it seems messed up like listening to it and like saying it now and it's like why would you ever think that like that doesn't make sense you're not controlling like what you eat you're just hurting yourself and um but when you're in that mindset that's the only thing you can think about and um i think just you know growing up with that it was very difficult because you know then you start to develop something like body dysmorphia where anytime you look in the mirror it's like okay well that's not the image of myself that i have like I feel like I need to lose weight and you know that person in the mirror is not what I see and so that person needs to be smaller because you know I want I want it to be smaller and I want my brain to admit that I'm smaller and so you know the more weight that you lose unfortunately sometimes the bigger you can feel in your head and so I think that's something that I definitely struggled with with body dysmorphia and you know I have a fuller face and especially now um that I have like gained healthy weight back and stuff. I have a fuller face and that just means I'm healthy, but you know, there's still times when it's just like, okay. And that was one of the main things I struggled with, you know, no matter how much weight I lost, my face was always full. And, um, yeah, I just, I get that from my dad. We have like high cheekbones and we had just very like chubby cheeks and stuff. And so that was just like, okay, well I just need to lose weight until like I look like I have lost weight. And, um, you know, I, I don't think I realized how big of a difference there was until, my dad sat me down and was like, I just looked at these pictures and like your clothes are hanging off your body. Like you, do you realize like how tight, like you have had to pull your belt, like look at the length between your belt and like how much it used to be. And he's like, the uniforms don't even fit you. We just bought these uniforms and they don't fit. Like, how could you have lost so much weight in that small amount of time? Like that's, that's not healthy. And if you keep doing this, you will like die. He's like, this is a very dangerous thing. And, um, you know, you're not just playing around with, you know, how you look, you're playing around with your life and you can get a lot of physical damage and, you know, that can eventually lead to your death. And he was like, I'm scared. And he's like, I don't know what to do. I've never had to deal with anything like this. He's like, I don't know if you need to go to therapy. I don't know if like, if I need to send you off to like a camp where they will like, 
pump your body full of like nutrients and stuff. He's like, I don't know where your head's at. And so, um, you know, I think just having him call me out like that, I was like, Oh, what? Like, I thought I was just, you know, like playing dress up basically. Like I was trying to fix myself. And I was like, I didn't know that I could die from doing that. And I had already had a lot of, you know, physical conditions that were coming up and I had just chalked them up to something else or like going through like weird, a weird puberty stage or something. And it's just like, no, like that, it all makes sense now. Like I, I, I'm sick <laughs> like, and I need, I need help. And, um, I, I'm just super grateful that, you know, my parents were super supportive and my dad doesn't know a lot about that stuff. He's, he wasn't raised talking about mental health and my mom really wasn't either, but they were there for me. And, um, they're like, what, what is you, you have to make this choice. Like we can work on it as a family. If you'd rather like do some type of therapy thing there, or like, if you need to, like, we can send you somewhere if that's what you need. And I just remember being so terrified. I was like, I don't want to go somewhere. Like, I don't want to, like, that's not safe. Like to me, I feel safe here. And so they made it a very common thing. Um, like a, a frequent consistent thing like okay well this is your checklist and for a while you're going to mark what you eat so we can keep track of if you're getting enough food in your body and every weekend um we would go over it and you know we would talk okay like on a scale of one to ten how are you feeling today like why do you feel that way and you know just helping me understand you know i wasn't an unstable person i was a child of god first and I think learning, okay, well, I need to come back to God. And I, for a long time, I was trying to fix things myself and I was holding on to that control so much. And that was so much of the issue. And once I learned how to kind of just let go of that and, you know, give that burden to God, it was so much easier to overcome that. And, you know, I'm not, I'm going to sit here and act like it was like, it went away like that fast. Like it was, a, it was several months up to an entire year of, just having to retrain myself and you know pouring my heart out to God and learning how to talk with him again and learning how to you know be with him and identify myself as a child of God first and learning what that looked like and you know and it was, there was definitely setbacks because you know when you start to gain healthy weight again you get the like anorexic face where your face like blows up and like you can even tell in some like vlogs and videos you can see when that happened and um, you know, it, you feel so weird because this is not the body that you want to be in. And, you know, having that like weird, like bloating of your body because your body's not used to having all this nutrients in it, like messed me up for a while. And, um, I think just having my parents support and, you know, having them keep me focused and, you know, even people like the band Seventh Day Summer, we got really close to their family. And so I confided in them and, you know, all of them were super supportive the whole time. And you know, we jokingly call it the bass player, our dad. And like, we tell people he's our dad, like, he's doesn't look anything like us. And, and, uh, <laughs> and so they just, you know, flocked around us and made sure that, you know, I felt like I was a valuable person. And, you know, my value wasn't tied to, you know, how many music records that we sold in a year and how many followers we had on Instagram. And, what the number on the scale was when I stepped on it. And, you know, there was a lot of things that I 
refrained from doing for a long time just so I could heal. And there's still things that I do now that, you know, I'm, I don't do them because I know that it could easily send me back to that place. And I'm willing to, you know, give up those things just for my sake and peace of mind. And, um, you know, I, I always encourage people when I'm talking to them about things like eating disorders, like little steps that I do to help make it easier. And like, I don't look at the back of labels really anymore. Like I try not to look at them so much because you get so fixated on the numbers and the calories and the carbs and things like that. It's like, don't look at that. Like it's going to make things way worse. I don't get on scales at all. Like (laughs) if I can help it, like if you go to the doctors and stuff, like I won't even look at the number. Um, I like make sure to like step on it backwards or like look away. I don't, look at that anymore like I don't measure myself unless I have to get like custom ordered things um you know and and just simple things like that where it's like I'm just not going to do that there's people on social media that I don't watch and that I'm not going to follow because I know if I look at them I'm going to continue to compare myself and then that's going to spiral me and so it's that easy to turn off their uh, account and to not look at it and you know it's difficult because it's like well I want to be in the know I want to know and follow these people because these people are popular but at the same time if that's hurting you that's a sacrifice you're gonna have to make because you know is being popular really worth like your own life you know um and that's it was definitely something that you know it it took a, a, a while to make that switch because you know it's not something that comes to your mind immediately and it's not first like your first nature to do that you want to be the status quo you want to fit in you want to be part of what everybody is part of but that's not what we're called to do as christians either you know we're called to be in the world but not of it and you can know about certain things but you don't have to be involved in them and um i think that's definitely what helped me a lot and you know during that time uh i was unfortunately a really bad example for lulu and so she struggled with a lot of the same things i did and um i was able to kind of help her with what I was doing. Um, and we were able to check up on each other and just be like, Hey, I saw that you did this. Like, I'm, I'm really proud of you for making that step. And, you know, there's even times now where we're still checking up on each other and, um, you know, we kind of had to recover together. And that's why a lot of the times that we talk about it, we talk about it together because our situations and our stories were so similar and they were so close in time that it's just easier that way. Cause a lot of the details get mixed up and uh they get missed if you don't have the other side of it um but you know just uh I think just being able to recover together helped because you know I did feel guilty for a long time because I was like well I was the older sister and you know she was growing up still and she saw me doing this and so she thought that that was okay to do and that was what you were supposed to do and so on top of having to recover from the eating disorder, I had to, you know, overcome a lot of guilt from that. And, you know, I, there was a, a sermon one Sunday because we were being like, actually physically involved in church as well now too. And so we were going to church when we were home and, you know, the pastor was saying, you know, guilt is not something from God. You know, guilt is a thing given from Satan to try to condemn us and make us feel stuck in our sin. Like conviction is from God. Um, but, you know, yeah guilt is that thing that is a very like everlasting thing that it makes you feel like you can't get out of it. And like, Oh, well I've ruined my reputation. I've ruined my sister, like stuff like that. And so 
it really helped me realize, oh, well, I'm not going to let Satan win. Like, I'm too stubborn to do that. Like, I don't want to let anybody win but myself, you know? And so, yeah, and so, get it, girl. And so I was like, oh, I'm just, I, I need to figure this out. And I, I, I just sat down one day and I was like, you know, what? I'm, I'm done with this. And, um, you know, there's definitely just several things like that over the years that, that all stem from having that control issue and having to feel like, this is my one thing and I have to hold on to it. And even stuff with GFM that, you know, I had idolized GFM for a while and learning to let go of that, you know, the difficulties that come with it are so much easier to go through now because I know that God has it. And, you know, that doesn't mean we just sit there and like, just trust God. And it's like, oh, I'm just going to sit here with them now because I know God's got it. It's like, no, you got to do work <laughs> and you have to put in the effort and the time that comes with it. But, you know, I'm not worried when difficult things come our way. and you know, even this past year, I had to learn a lot of that. And um, with you know, the things that are being thrown at us, I don't know that I could have taken it that easily uh, if I didn't realize and go through that step again. And a lot of it's just going back to God and being like, I know I've talked to you about this already like five times, but I'm here again. <laughs> and um, just just giving him. And I, I we talked with our patrons um, about it one uh one session because we, we try to do Bible studies um, when we're home at least. Um, and it was just really just talking about pouring your heart out to God and people were, they didn't understand what that meant. They're like, what do you mean? And I'm like, it's exactly what it sounds like. Like I just gave it all to God and, you know, I yelled at him and I told him I was angry with him and uh, I was not happy with the way things were. And I was terrified and I was so upset and, um, you know, the sadness that was there with me, like, I felt like I couldn't eat because I was so sad and just everything that came with that. And I just threw it all to God and gave it all to him. And, you know, with that comes a lot of freedom, because I think when we hold on to that, because we're like, oh, well, God can't know that we're angry at him. And God can't know that he already knows it. Like, (laughs) you can't hide that from him. He knows it already. And I think once you admit that, you know, it's just like, oh, okay we got that out of the way, like we can move forward now. And I think just being able to learn how to really do that and, you know, just overcome those things and just learning how to lean on God has really helped me so much um, just with all of that. And, you know, recently being diagnosed with major depressive disorder, you know, that helped me understand a lot of things that like go into it. Like a lot of the puzzles are clicking together. Um, just of how everything has been tied together because of that. And so now being able to get help for that and um, like medicated for that to overcome that, you know, things have been so much better and it's so much easier to realize, okay, well, this really bad thing happened, but I'm not going to sit in it. And these are steps that I can take to overcome it. So let's start working on those. And let me tell my accountability partner so they know what I'm working towards and they can yell at me if I'm not doing it. And if they see me, you know, just sitting in it, they can be like, what are you doing? Get off and go work. Like you need to, you have stuff you got to do. And, and it, it's, I think learning how to have that support group as well. And that's something I learned in my classes is the importance of having support and learning how to be open. Uh, I can now talk with my, my parents and my parents know so much and I can confide in them. My sisters have become a really just strong area of me confiding in them. I have people in my life that I've really gotten close to, especially recently. I met a girl named Kat and she's a big 
like icon on TikTok. And I never thought that relationship would ever like exist at all. And now it's like, I can call her like on like randomly and just be like, girl, do I have some tea to tell you? Because stuff is going crazy right now. And, and it's just like having somebody like that, where I can just, just kind of like vomit <laughs> everything that's going on. Um, there, there's a couple of people in my life like that, where I can just call them and just be like, you'll never believe what is going on right now. And they're like, okay, well, like, what are we going to do about it? Let's, let's pray about it. And then let's figure out a line of, uh, you know, goals of what we need to do to overcome that and to move forward. And it's like, okay, yeah, let's, let's do that. That's, that sounds like a good idea. Yeah, man, Maggie, it is incredible hearing your story of, of healing in, in that regard. And so many things stood out to me. One, I mean, just what you said there, the, the importance of support, right? Like what you said there, like to me, that's the church being the church. Church mm-hmm. isn't the building, it, it's the people, right? And so you have the church, you have your community, you have your people around you that um, that you can go to and you can just be real and you can just be raw with, hey, this is what I'm dealing with. And they're not going to judge you. They're not going to shame you. They're not going to condemn you. They're just like, all right, how can I help? How can I support you with this? And the other thing that stood out to me was, uh, I think the key in all this too, is you coming back to knowing who you are in Christ, right? Like you said, like Mm -hmm. first and foremost, becoming a child uh, of God, remembering you're a child of God, a daughter of God and, and the position that gives you, right? Like with that, that means you're royalty. That means yeah. that you, uh, you, you're like a, a, a princess, a queen in the kingdom, right? And so mm-hmm. it sounds like that really gave you breakthrough as well. And so with, with coming back to God, I'm curious, obviously being in a band, living tour life, you have a busy life and, and tour life is, can be pretty hectic. How do you keep your relationship with Christ top priority over everything else? Um, it's definitely, you know, there, there are difficult times and you know, you go through stages where you're really on fire for God and you're in your Bible every day and you've got a really good program with this church that you're going to. And, um, recently found a church called 11 church 1122. And, um, and so just going there has really helped revitalize a lot of that because I I felt kind of stagnant for a little bit and we wanted to start going to church as a family, but everybody was going to different churches and, um, so we sat down with our parents and our dad was like, okay, let's, let's find a church that we all can go to together. And, you know, if that's something that you really want to do, let, let's, let's do it. And so we found church of 1122. We heard a lot of good things about it. And so we started going there and it's just like the pastor is real. Like he's got tattoos and he wears blue jeans on stage, but like, he's going to give it to you straight. And he, uh, he's going to, he knows about like TV shows that are relevant, but he also knows how to say, okay, well, like, like you shouldn't really be watching those TV shows. And the fact that you know them, like you need to stay in this church. that was a little bit longer. And, uh, and, but just the way that he is, you know, brings things out of the Bible. I've learned so much. And so, you know, I have a, like they gave out a little journal that has a lot of information that goes with each lesson. And so, since we missed them when I was on tour, I can go back and rewatch them and work through the little inserts and stuff with it. And you know, it's always frustrating when you go on tour and you had like such a good schedule, like you were reading your Bible every day and then you would do this and you get on your with your life and do all your work that you had to do. And, uh, you know, you had that constant communication with God. And then when you go on tour, it's just like, 
well, I can't find my Bible. I can't find my notebook. I don't know where I put it and I got to do my makeup. And so now I'll just, I'll do it later. I'll figure out when to do it. And then you realize you're a weekend and you haven't opened your Bible at all. And it's just like, are you kidding me? Like I just, I had a schedule going. I had figured it out. Me and God were doing good. We were talking every day. And it's like, where did that, what happened? I told myself I brought it on purpose. And, uh, and so it's always frustrating when you do that. And it's something that I've, wanted to start you know diving into more now is getting a lot of worship songs on my phone now that I have my own phone and I have airpods that I can pop in while we're loading in and stuff and you know choosing to listen to that instead of you know a lot of the garbage that is played um, especially because we're doing a lot of general market shows and so there's a lot of inappropriate stuff that is either in conversation or just the songs and stuff and it's just, I, I don't want to Suscept my mind to that if I don't have to. And, um, you know, if I can't figure out a time where I can read my Bible and, you know, have a devotional, I can at least spend that time in worship and listening to music that's uplifting. And it's something that I've always struggled with because it's just like, oh, I don't like worship music. Like, it's boring to me. I don't want to listen to it. <laughs> and, yep. uh, and I was always like, you know, if, it, if there's a rock version, I'll listen to it. And now it's just like, I just don't want to listen to music. I'm burnt out on music. Like, <laughs> it's all this music. And, I, you know, going to churches like 1122, they have a lot of the more like relevant and modern music that's coming out. And just, there's, um, there's a, I don't know if they're a band or a, like, I don't know what to call them. They're a, a musical group called Shane and Shane. And they just yeah. take literal like passages from the Bible and sing through the passage. And mm-hmm. it's just like, oh my goodness, like this is different from any worship music I've ever heard before. Like, there's not like they don't talk about God weirdly and like it's not like this weird like boyfriend girlfriend thing like it's actual scripture and you know I feel just there's just awe that comes with it and so I've wanted to start looking into you know putting that on my phone so for this next run that we're doing I can at least listen to that in the car and you know it's something that you can listen to while I'm doing my makeup so I can multitask and I can get multiple things done um, at the same time but you know, I'm still making it a point to have that time with God, even if you know it's not like the tra- traditional like let's sit down and write things out and highlight my Bible and because there's definitely a time and place for that. But when you're in a van and you get frustrated because the line that you just wrote is all crooked now, and I accidentally crossed out a word instead of underlining it, like yep. I get so focused on that that it it's no longer about the time with God. It's about okay, well I need to make sure my lines are perfect and. And, you know, you get focused on that instead. And so I think finding ways to adapt to that and then learning, okay, well, instead of watching this YouTube video, I could watch a church sermon or, you know, let me compile them. So when I get home, I can catch up on them and figure out where I left off and what they've been talking about. And so when I go, when I'm when I'm at home, I can actually go to the church and be caught up and know like where in the sermon lessons we're at, like which week we're at. And, you know, I think that's another important thing is when you're home, making sure you're going to the actual church because it's, it's so easy to just be like, well, we just got home. I'm tired. I don't want to go. Like, we'll just watch it online. It's like, don't forsake the assembly, go to church when you're home, be in that church. And, you know, we were just recently talking about this, you know, missionaries don't have that home church to go to, but when they're home, they're in that home church. And so if what we're doing as a band is mission work, and we're in the mission field, then when we're home, we need to make sure that we're going and being fed and being filled up. Even if you're not talking to anybody, but and all you're doing is shaking some stranger's hand, like 
you're there surrounded by people of God and you know the Holy Spirit is there and he can move and he can you know speak to you in that time and you can be fed through the pastor and there's been so many times where I've gone especially to this new church and things that I haven't even talked to people about have been the main topic of the sermon and it's just like God, what do you do this to me? Like, you could use somebody else. Like, <laughs> right? Can you please let somebody else be in the uh, the center of attention for yeah, five seconds? But, but nobody knows it's about you, but I know it's about me, and so I'm just sitting there like, oh, why you do this every time, God? Like, come on, pick on somebody else. And I think it just making sure because if I wasn't in the church, I wouldn't be having those experiences like that, and I wouldn't be experiencing God in that way. Um, and, you know, it's just really helped me be open to a lot more things. And I think just doing that has helped so much. And, you know, when we were first realizing, okay, well, we're home, let's just watch it online and stuff like that, you get complacent, you get lazy, and you can, you doze off during worship or you skip because you don't want to listen to the songs. And it's just like, that's not what church is about. You're just checking off a box and calling it a day and like, Yep. You need to go. Part of the whole reason of church is you're sacrificing your time. You're getting dressed up to go and you know make yourself a living sacrifice for God. And you know, you're giving him that time. And you may be uncomfortable in the clothes you're wearing. And it may be too cold in the church. And you may not like the songs they're singing that Sunday. But, you know, that's not why you're going. You know, you're going there to just be in the presence of God. And I think Amen. learning and finally figuring out how to do that as a family has really helped. Um, you know, cause it, it's something we, we always grew up going together. And then, you know, as we got older, we tried out different churches and, you know, just kind of separated. And now I think coming back together has helped a lot and has helped us learn a lot. And, you know, we can talk about the sermon after church now as a family. And it's like, okay, well, we all learned the same thing. What did you take from it? Oh, I didn't understand that. That's cool. I, did you notice when he said this and it's like oh no i didn't notice i thought he meant it this way and it's like oh well did he and so then you can go and like look into it more and it's really helped us as a family you know, just communicate a lot better biblically as well yeah man again just preaching straight fire there maggie I, <laughs> I, I loved everything that you said there and and like you said like it's not about a checklist that you have to go through each day right like i think sometimes as christians we can become like too like legalistic or even like religious with it, where I have to spend 10 minutes doing this and, you know, 30 minutes in prayer, whatever like that. And it's just like, God just wants us. He just yeah. wants our heart. Right. And so, like you said, even if you're loading the van and you got some earbuds in listening to some worship or whatever, like that's what God's wanting from us. He's just wanting us. And so mm -hmm. I love uh, you speaking to that. You mentioned also uh, the band being a ministry and basically the world and the places that you go be in your mission field. And, and part of that, yeah, you're going into the darker places, right? Like you guys are kind of writing that line where you, you do, you know, the Christian festivals and shows, but you also go into the secular events and, and kind of into those, you know, darker areas. I'm guessing because that you, that you are an all girl Christian band wearing cheerleader outfits <laughs> that there's probably some persecution there and there's probably some persecution from other Christians as well. Other people within the church. Talk to us about that. Like what kind of persecution have you yourself faced Maggie or just the band faced because of what you guys are doing for the kingdom? Yeah. Especially with the cheerleading uniforms, you know, that's caused a little bit of controversy 
you know, among like the Christian people. Um, and, you know, even there's been Christian bands and stuff that have claimed like we're not Christians and that we're just using it as, you know, a stepping stone to get into these places and to play shows. And I was like, if I was doing that, like I'd be dressing a lot differently. Like I don't have to do what I do. Like you don't understand like the layers that go into it. I've got tights on, I've got shorts on, I've got socks on, I have undershirts on. Like I am having a heat stroke on stage because I'm trying to make sure that I am covered modestly. And you know, that, and that our dad is on tour with us. And do you really think our dad will allow us to go on stage? Like, inappropriately dressed and you know the stuff that comes out of people's mouths is just like very confusing and you know recently we were talking with a lot of um bands that we're close to and they're like i mean do they go to a high school football game and do they have the same issue there like i think that's a them issue you know if they can't see people dressed how they would at a high school event like that's a way deeper issue than the way you're dressed like it's not a you thing that's a them thing and you know just stuff like that we've had to really just learn how to overcome and learn to ignore those comments because you know if you're doing something right for god then obviously there's gonna be persecution and you know he said if you're for me then the world's gonna hate you and there's gonna be so much that comes and so much controversy that comes towards you and you just have to keep your head down and keep fighting for him and that's something that you know we've had to learn how to do. And especially at a young age, having people tell you that you're not a Christian, it's just like, it, it, you know, it can hurt sometimes. And then it gets you thinking, well, am I doing this? Am I doing this inappropriately? And so, you know, it makes us go and research and, you know, the amount of time and effort that we've put into making sure that we are modest and looking into going to our pastors and saying like, is this okay for us to be wearing this stuff and, you know, modifying the way like, making sure that we have we've added extra length to our skirts and stuff and and stuff like that where it's just like normal people wouldn't do that you you're not adding length to the clothes that you wear like going out just for a normal thing and and you know just stuff like that and learning how okay well people aren't going to like it but we're going to be open about our christianity on stage and i'm going to make sure that i'm saying that we believe in jesus christ and that you know this is how we believe and yes we're sinners but his love for you and me has in the sacrifice that he made has overcome any sin that you and I could ever do and making sure we're at the merch table to explain to people what that means. And, you know, recently we had a girl come up to us and say, you know, I wasn't interested in religion or anything like that at all. But now because of you guys, like I'm, I want to be part of it and I don't know what it means to be a part of it. Can you help me understand that? And so, you know, you're having to explain things to people that have never had a part in Christianity at all. And so, you know, it's so easy then, especially when th- the things like that can happen. Um, it's so easy to just be like, yeah, those people don't know what they're talking about. They they don't see the day to day where we're answering messages from people and um, talking to people online and fighting people on TikTok about how like, this is why Christianity is important and why it's not like, some dumb thing to believe in and stuff like that where it's just like nobody sees that nobody sees the prayers that you pray for people the conversations that you have at the merch table and it's not something that we talk about a lot because we don't think that it's our place to be saying okay well we did this and this and this and this and this and like we don't post about it because we don't want man's rewards we want god's rewards and we want to be going to heaven and him saying okay well i saw you do this 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 and this and you know you didn't talk about it so here's your rewards that I saved for you. And, you know, we're not doing this 
So Joe Schmo down the street can be like, oh, well, you're such a good Christian. I saw what you did. And it's like, I don't want, <laughs> I don't want your praise. I want God's praise. Like I want him to tell me that I did a good job because it's not up to you to tell me if I did a good job. It's God's decision. And uh, I think just learning how to do that has really helped us a lot. Um, because, you know, at first when we were starting, it was easy to be like, okay, well, we pray for this person. So we need to go tell our parents and that we pray for this person. And we did this and this. And it's like, you don't need to do that. Like, yes, if you did that, you had a big conversation and you need somebody's help or um, you just want somebody else to continue to pray for it. By all means, go ahead and talk about it. Like, you can talk about it. But, you know, we realized there's no reason to be bragging about stuff and to, you know, trying to make sure people knew what conversations you had, because at the end of the day, then all your rewards are going to be right there in that moment. And, you know, I don't want my legacy to be lived out on earth. You know, I want everything to be in heaven when I get there. Man. I love it, Maggie. I love it. <laughs> and I just, I think, uh, I think it's in Proverbs where it talks about don't correct a mocker, right? Like some people, no matter what you say to them, Maggie, they are going to believe what they want to believe. They're going to keep saying what they're wanting to say. And it's just like wasted breath to even try to change their mind. And so I love the mentality that you have. That's just like, no, God sees what I'm doing. God knows what I'm doing. And that's all that matters. Yeah. Uh, another piece of persecution that I've heard uh, you've received personally is because you scream and, and people, again, people in the church saying, Oh, well, she must be possessed by the devil <laughs> or by a demon if she's screaming. So how, how do you deal with that, Maggie? Yeah. It's just another one of those things where it's like, I'm just not going to entertain it because while I could just sit there and argue over Facebook or whatever app they're using, you're not going to win. And you know, those people are keyboard warriors and they're trained in what they do and I'm not going to be part of it. And, you know, I have made, like I've answered this in interviews before and it's like, there's just not really a way for that to actually happen because I know I have Jesus in my heart and I'm saved. And so that can't physically happen. Uh, so exactly. maybe you should go read your Bible <laughs> and understand that that's not possible. Uh, and you know, there's also a verse that says, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. And David was running down the streets screaming as well. And you don't know what type of screaming he was doing. So technically like we don't know. And, uh, so what right. I'm doing is making a joyful noise unto the Lord. And, uh, you know, there's even verses about using symbols and stuff like that, that people have tried to use out of context saying that drums are not of God and stuff like that. And it's just like, oh, I mean, an instrument is an instrument. And what we were doing is using the talents that God has given us to, you know, profess his name and to minister to people. And you know, if you can't see that, then shame on you. Like, I don't need you to tell me that I'm saved. Like I, I know that I'm saved and I don't need you to confirm that or, you know, try to convince me that I'm not because you're, you're not going to win. Like, I, I know where I stand um, and, you know, you trying to convince me that I don't know God is so like out, out of the ballpark that it, it's like, I just, I, a lot of times I just sit there and laugh and it's just like, this doesn't make any sense. Like yeah. <laughs> this is such like a dumb argument. Um, but like I said, we were just raised, you know, keyboard warriors just like to fight and not to respond to them. And, uh, so we try not to get involved in a lot of comment wars and stuff like that, just because it can get 
really nasty and people can be very confident over social media. But then when you see them in person, like they're not going to speak to you at all because, you know, they're too scared to say anything in person. And uh, so if it's about us, like there's been comments about, you know, the way that we look or our weight or like stuff like the screaming thing. Um, And, you know, I've learned that it's just like people are just mean and people are nasty on the internet and it's because there's no consequences on the internet and uh but you know in real life those people wouldn't say that because there's consequences in real life and so you know learning to ignore that our fans come to bat for us a lot of the times and you know they end up removing the comment because either a fan has like schooled them so hard that they're embarrassed or you know a fan reports the comment or something like that where it's like I I know I don't need to defend myself because I have people that will come to bat for me. Um, But, you know, it's a different story when it's about other people. Um, We've had hate recently on a page about, um, you know, some of our friends. And so, you know, we'll jump in there and just be like, okay, like, this is not okay. This is what's actually happening. And you're very wrong. (laughs) And, you know, we want to make sure we're coming to bat for those, for the people that, you know, we care about as well. And um, so we try not to get involved as much as we can. but, you know, sometimes we always want to make sure that we're there for the people that matter to us and, you know, that we're not just sitting there on the sidelines watching them get, like, completely bashed, especially if it's on our page and we've posted something about them and then people are just dragging on them and stuff. You know, it's it's our responsibility to remove that from our page, um, especially to make them feel welcome. And if it's the first time that we've interacted with this person, you know, we don't want them ever to feel like, we believe those same things that that mean person is saying. And so when it comes to that, it's a little bit of a different story, but we always try to make sure we're not like involved with that as much as possible. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, man. Well, I, I'm just so impressed talking to you, Maggie, just your, your heart and, and, and the band's heart, your family's heart to just want to reach the lost using your music, using the message of of the gospel, going into the world, going into the darkness to be the light. And man, you know, I, I know you girls are, are continuing to, you know, have doors opened up and, I just think you guys are just getting started, to be honest with you. That's not me, you know, doing lip service or anything like that because I'm, <laughs> I'm a fan. But, like, I honestly think, like, this is just the beginning of what God has for you guys. And I'm excited to to get in on the ride now um, because I know it's just going to continue to go up because you're doing it for his glory. And God's going to continue to to open up doors for you. And, you know, to close out, uh, I know a pretty cool door that God's opened up for you recently is to tour with Fozzie, Chris Jericho's band. And you guys are going to be going out uh, back on tour with him uh, just in a couple weeks at the time of this recording, you know, for the fall. Um, how can people uh, get information on on where they can see you and, and come out to support you guys? Yeah, so it's super easy to find us because, you know, we, we came from it from the point of view, if we were trying to find something on the online and stuff you know we want it to be as easy as possible so everything is the gfm band all matches the website the gfm band.com all of our social media sites are the gfm band and everything's linked everywhere so you can easily click on one thing and find all the other ones um we've recently updated our bands in town so everything that's that are like all the show dates are listed there we have vips available for every show so you know we try to make that a personal experience that helps you go even further as a fan if you want you know, have that special like extra time where you know we're gonna talk specifically to those people, and we try to 
play an acoustic version of some songs. So that way you, you see a different side of GFM before you see like the big onstage personality because we want to make sure, you know, that you're not intimidated by this big thing. It's like, we're just normal people. We, we're going to talk with you and we're here to hang out. And, you know, if you need somebody to listen to you know some stuff that's been going on in your life, we're there to listen. And, you know, if it's not something you're comfortable doing in person, we're there online to listen as well. And that's something we always try to tell people at the merch table. And, you know, if, if you'd rather talk about this through social media, like go for it. Like we're, that's why we have our social media. We run it. Like it's not, run by a, a management company like we run all of the pages so we can answer people and um so you know we're we're very active on all of our pages and we try to make sure that we are available and we do live streams and stuff so several times throughout the week we're able to actually be talking with people and be interacting with people and you know it's not just a message you're actually able to talk to us in real time and um so we try to do that as much as possible as well and just make sure that we're available and that it's easy to find us and that we're constantly there. So you never forget that we're there. And, uh, <laughs> and so it's definitely just everything is the GFM band and we're, we try to make sure that it's super easy to find us. Yes. So go, go check it out, guys. Uh, my wife and I are going to make the drive to Milwaukee to see you guys and we'll do the VIP. So first time seeing you guys live in concert, we're pumped for that. Looking forward to that. Last question for you, Maggie, as you look back and reflect on the goodness of God in your life, what comes to mind? Um, definitely just, I think a peace of mind and, you know, knowing that there was a lot of crap that I had to go through and a lot of difficult times, but look at where I'm at now and, you know, look at the progress I've made and, you know, seeing where I'm at now, just imagine where I'll be at in the next 10 years and then the next 10 years after that. And knowing that God's going to be with me through all of that and seeing how he's worked in my life, even when I was like in the middle of that, it didn't seem like he was doing anything being here now and looking at the bigger picture, I can see where he was working the entire time. And so it just gives me this overwhelming sense of peace where it's just like, okay, yeah, like this is going to work out and you know things are going to be okay. And, you know, it might not be easy all the time, but it's going to be okay that God's going to be there through me with, or with me through that difficult time. And, you know, now he's brought people into my life to walk with me through that as well. And so I think it's just, you know, a sense of peace and this burden has been lifted off because I don't have to be the one controlling everything and moving the pieces now because I know that he's got all of that and he's the one who's putting everything into place and it's going to work out so much better than anything I could have done because he can see the bigger picture all the time (laughs) and not just after it's already happened. (laughs) Amen. Amen. Well, Maggie, the tagline of my show is to glorify God and kick Satan's butt. And you (laughs) are a shining, shining example of that. Again, no joke. Um, It's been an honor uh, to talk with you. Thank you for being so gracious with your time. And man, I feel it's only appropriate watching the videos. You guys end the video with your little trademark. See ya, which by the way, where, where did, where did that even come from? So that was the uh, the first tour that we did. There was some trend on YouTube where everybody was like doing the the little hand motion thing, and I don't I don't even remember what it was about. It wasn't tied to anything that we tied it to. We we just decided to like 
take it and plagiarize and say that it was ours. And, and, uh, and so we were just like, well, let's just make it. And if we do that, like when we roast somebody, it's just like, Oh, you just got roasted. And we've, uh, we've since repented from those ways. But, uh, <laughs> so now it's just, we're going to do that. And then it's just like, okay, see you later. Like, bye. <laughs> Well, I love it. I love it. Well, uh, for those that are listening to this, you'll just hear some slaps in a sea. So <laughs> make sure to watch the YouTube video to get the full effect. But Maggie, on the count of three, one, two, three. See ya. <laughs> Thanks, Maggie. Thank you for having me. What an honor and a privilege to get to chat with Maggie. You can just feel the passion she has for Jesus in her voice, and her desire to help others is so genuine. She and her family are world changers that are brave and bold enough to go out into the darkness in order to be a light. And I truly believe that God is just getting started with Maggie and her sisters, and I'm excited to follow them along the journey. You guys can follow them too at the GFM Band across social media. And make sure to check out their website to see when they're going to be coming to a town near you. And guys, if you haven't heard their music, go check it out right now. I'm not exaggerating or sucking up when I say they're my favorite band. These girls are legit. Go to Apple Music, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you get your music and be prepared to get rocked. If you have any questions for Maggie about her testimony, send me a DM shoot me an email at twterrypod at gmail.com or use the hashtag AskTWT and we'll get Maggie to answer a few. Thanks everyone for tuning in. And if this podcast is blessing you, please leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and share this podcast with someone that you think will be blessed by it. That's it for now, but I'll be back with another testimony next week. In the meantime, live your life in such a way that glorifies God and kicks Satan's butt. Peace.